is all about facing changes. We've talked about in Ecclesiastic, there's a time and a season to everything. And we need to understand that life or death, there's a movement place from which, God, you are moving us as a church into something, into you, into your destiny, into the promised land, into your rest. And God has got a plan. And, you know, just as the children of Israel had the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day so they could be guided by it and when it moved they moved and when it stopped they stopped we need to live in the same inspiration manna was provided in the wilderness for their times of transition every single day it was not dependent on the place it was dependent on the presence of God so we need to move if one thing into the presence of God so this is all about changes and if I can help you the actual cusp of today is how we can help people face changes in their life? How can we assist people to help them to move in the direction that God is drawing them? How can God position you with your family, your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the people that you meet on the bus? You have a divine mandate on your life to alter the destiny of people that's going to come into contact with you. The question that you've got to ask is, how can I do that? How can I get ready? How can I position myself so I feel that I'm prepped? I reckon the disciples were grieving when Jesus went. I reckon there was a part when they go, we haven't got a clue how to do this. I reckon they panicked. But Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit and you will not be alone. Wherever you go out of this building, you will not be alone when you go with the presence and the Spirit of God. And here's the thing, God knows everything. Do you know what arrow prayers are? We know what arrow prayers are. When things happen and you haven't got a clue and you haven't got a scoobies, you send an arrow prayer up to God quickly and go, God, I need wisdom now. Who's ever prayed those prayers? Yeah, that you should pray them more often, by the way. I, I need this download now. And this is about the prayers. We need to position ourselves in church so that we're ready to disciple people into the move of God because actually you're not the only people that God wants to move with person on the bus God has got a destiny for and part of that awareness is we come into the Holy Spirit we understand that without realizing that how can I do that so what do I what do I say to somebody and and I I managed to get into a conversation and, and they in, in that conversation they suddenly start to unpack something of significance of their life and I'm sitting there going well that is a major shift that is a major change how can I help them this subject, by the way, is about dealing with change. And I've realized over the, the series that we're doing it, there are so many changes that are going on in all of our lives that actually this is relevant to anybody you're going to meet. This is a relevant message to even share what you're listening and learning in the context of your week. There's lots of conversations with you about the subject of change. I've had so much feedback you know, from the church saying, this is right on what God wants to do in our lives. So I appreciate you taking the time to just share but I want us to learn a little bit of a principle of change. And I want to show you a picture, if I can, of a train track. Because I want you to understand that as much as there is change going on at any moment in anybody's life, there's another track. There's two tracks in the train, the rail lines that run on twice. There's change in this continuity. I want us to understand the basis that it doesn't matter however many changes in their life. If you're going to help somebody going through change, you need to understand and try and find the continuity of their life because not everything changes. In your conversation, in the office, you've got to think proactively and say, okay, how can I find the stability in their life? 
Because what's happened is the change has rocked their stability. You might, over a period of time, realize they have no stability. If they're in that place, they're at high risk. But here's the thing. You know a stability, don't you? You know a foundation. There's no other foundation given heaven by which men must be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God is our rock, isn't that, you know? There's an opportunity there to look at their instability and come aside as the second track in their life and go, as much as you are facing change, I'm going to be a level of continuity in your life. You don't know where that bus stop conversation is going to lead you. It might be a journey for 10 minutes. It might be a journey for life. If you've got a coin, just take a coin out of your pocket if you can. I'm not going to ask you to put it in the oven, nor I'm going to ask you why you didn't put it in the oven. <laughs> Two sides to a coin, change and continuity. I want you to understand that what binds those two sides together is what we call the side, the edge of the coin. And here's the thing, you're the edge of the coin when you're helping people through change. You're the bit in the middle that's going to sit in people's lives and go, can I, can I help you to understand the, the change, but also can I point you to a continuity that's going in our life? Part of that is what's good in your life. Not everybody loses everything in their life in one day. You don't meet Job every day, do you, on the train? You may sound like you've met him. You know, I, I, we, me and Rachel went on a cruise, by the way. And we're on a cruise, believe it or not. It's a lovely experience. We're all sat there every night. We, you have to share the table with different people. And uh, we slightly go, oh, is that going to be good? But it's such an opportunity for the, for the gospel. This one lady, she comes up. Everything is wrong. Everything is wrong, you know. Oh, it's not like the cruise I used to be on, you know. It's like, oh, the meal's not as good as it was last night, you know. And and so I made it my mission to try and make a positive uh, by the end of that, isn't it? You know, because not everything is bad. There is good in our life. I want to show you a picture if I can of a river. It's, anybody know what happens when when two rivers join? Do you know what it's called? Confluence. Very good, Judy. You are so intelligent. You were the first out there. But it's a confluence. It's understanding that there's two streams of our life, a change of continuity that do come together, and they merge into one. And there's an invitation for you to be the sleeper across the two tracks of change and continuity, to be the edge of the coin, to be the rock by which the confluence takes place. That actually you're there at the right time, at the right point in people's lives to say, I am going to help you balance your journey for this season. Because changes don't last for a lifetime. There's a new change to go. I want to show a picture of of an athlete just to help on biomechanics. Anybody know the 100 meters? Who was good at sprinting at school? Just a few of us. <laughs> oh, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> you wish for that, isn't it? We just love it. It's the pinnacle of the athletics calendar when we, we watch the 100 meters, isn't it? It's the most expensive ticket you can get if you go to kind of a live athletics meet and, and you, you watch it and it, it's over in 10 seconds. But here's the thing, the form that that athlete has at the start is incredible mobility and change. And yet they are trained to be incredibly still in their running gait. Doesn't make sense, does it? They're running, they're moving. 
but they train their bodies to be as still as possible to maximize their energy in that. And you, and you get these two points. You'll never get anywhere in life if you don't have an essence of change and you don't have an essence of continuity. You've got to bolt both sides to your life. You have to understand that and you have to help others to do that. So how do we help people respond positively to change? First question that you need to be thinking in the conversation is, is everything changing here? Is something changing here? Or is nothing changing there? Have you ever spoke to people and it, and it sounds like everything's changed and nothing's changed? Right? So don't have a go at that person. Why are they in this place? Because obviously something's going inside of them that their perception of change may be different to their reality of change. You have to say, God, before I, I launch in to give them the one, two, three steps of how they can get through change, you're actually taking the time to listen and go, I want to understand their point of change. See, God wants to see change as a new beginning in our life. You thought about that person on the bus, this is a day of new beginning, and you're the prophet. You're the person who's carrying the word of God, the life of God, into that point for that moment to bring them and redirect them. And you want those heaven conversations. It said, if it wasn't for Liz, who knocked on my door with that baked tray of muffins and said, I was just thinking of you, and I want to sit with you. How can I help? You know what? They change people's destinies. I heard a great story yesterday of a church planting initiative. It's brilliant. I want to plant a church on this same style. It was a grandma in the faith who had another grandma friend. What are their names? Edna and Mabel? Edna and Mabel. Classic names. Bumped into two young men in the park and offered them to bake them pie. It's an American story, by the way, just so you're trying to understand the context. Bake them pie. Would you like to come in? We're going to bake you some pie. These two lovely grandmas took these two young men, baked them pie, sat them down, gave them that pie, and then prayed for them. They said, before you go, can we pray for you? Those two young men had an experience with God when those two grandmas of God prayed over them following pie. They said to him, before you leave, you said, if you want to come back next week, we'll bake you more pies, but you have to bring two friends. So next week, they brought two friends. And they baked them four pies, and they prayed for them, and they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, hey, if you want to come back with us, we're going to bake more pies. And they, the week after, they, they baked pies, and they brought friends in. And before you knew it, they had a life group, a connect group, a home group based on pie. What a great connect group that is. You know what? That became a church. That first young man became the pastor of that church. You know? And they moved into that city and revival flowed into that city because two old ladies knew how to bake pie. When you're talking about change, you can make significant change. Now, you, if you're wondering, going, well, I can't bake pie, you can do something else. We've all got gifts and skills that God wants to take us to make the difference in people's lives. So I have three simple points today to help you guide this journey of change. And I'm going to put them up just to help you so you get the, the grasp of where I'm going. To help people go through change, you need to learn to tell your story. To help people go through change, you need to support them for the process of change. And to help people to go through change, you need to signpost them into the right areas so that they can get the help that they need. Just to evidence the concept of storytelling, I want to introduce uh, Linda and Ian. Just kind of come up, where are you sat? 
because they're going to tell a little bit of their story, because they kind of emailed me during this series and said, Aaron, I don't know whether this has helped you, but this is our story of change. And I think it really helps. So can we give them a round of applause? Can we stand with me here? Come up here. So thank you very much for, for just being prepared to share. Just give us a context of um, what, what life was like before things started to change, if that's right. Well, before change came to us, um, we've been happily married uh, for 30 years, living in a small village on the edge of Dartmoor. I've been working for the same company all our married life. Life was, to me, pretty comfortable and great. And then my boss announced he was retiring, selling the business. And that was the end part of 2016. The business sold January 2017. And... Because of the readings that Linda was following, she kept saying to me, I've got the message, we've got to move, we've got to change. And I said, I'm not interested. (laughs) 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 And and Linda was was getting this message so strongly, she researched properties in Exeter, ready for us to move. (laughs) And said to me, I want to go and look at this property. And I said, no. (laughs) my work's in Oakhampton I'm not commuting from Exeter to Oakhampton so Linda accepted that and still kept saying to me this is not good you know I'm getting the message to change and my work was getting more difficult every day I was working longer hours and not seeing that things weren't right to the point that um I was getting random amounts paid to me, then eventually we weren't getting any pay. And at that point, Linda said, enough's enough, we've got to change. And I'll let Linda take up the story now. (laughs) So after my stubborn husband, um, (laughs) I kept asking God and asking God to help him. And I knew that he had to actually change his mindset. Because unless he did, nothing was ever going to happen. And that's exactly what he'd done. Because... I said, the unbelievable, I was looking at properties again. I'd been to my mum's on, on Monday, May the 2nd, and I was over there. Someone had come along and said to me, does Ian want a job? And I thought, wow. Ian wants a job? Well, you know, I kind of made light of it. Why would he want a job? And then I came home to Ian and said about it, and he said, well, things have got really bad, and because we're not getting any money in, and because you don't earn an income either, we've got to do something. So he had decided we needed to change then. Wow. Um, and then I looked back on the internet <laughs> and looked at these properties, and I couldn't believe it, but the property that we were going to look at in the January was back on the market. So I knew that was God at work, yeah? So never, never give up. Keep on pressing in there. God's at work all the time. Anyway, we looked at this property, and we both loved it, to be fair. And we said, we'll put an offer in. Now, what's amazing about that is, we hadn't even got a house on the market. So the estate agent thought we were absolutely crazy. He said, well, you know, yeah, okay, but you're not going to get it if you haven't got a house on the market. I said, well, I think, I think we will. So then... In the evening, we were talking, and I said, well, I know someone a few years ago said to me that if you ever want to sell your house, let me know, because I would like it as a buy to that. Wow. So I rang that person... And they said, yeah, I'm still interested. Came around the following day and made us an offer of the price that we needed. Wow. 
Right. And I came home from work in the afternoon and then just said, I've sold the house. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, um, the difficult thing was for us was the fact that um, our neighbours, unfortunately, who we got on very well with, but um, I'm amazed they still spoke to us, they went on holiday. Well, they went on holiday for a couple of months. So unfortunately, they hadn't come back by the time we left. <laughs> so imagine coming back and finding out that actually your neighbours are not there anymore. <laughs> that must have been weird. Um, so then, um, yeah, the move went through really smoothly. But I can honestly say it was because God was in it. God knows the plans he has for you in Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says that. If you are struggling with change, press into God, right. keep going, keep pressing on. I love it in Philippians where it says, keep going, keep pressing on towards the goal. It's so true. Mm. The more you press into God, the more he'll help you. Never worry about change when you've got God with you. How can I stand up here today and talk to you? It's not me. It's God. God giving me that strength to do it. You know. And as a, as a sort of final update, I didn't get the job that was suggested that I applied for, but another opportunity came along, which is the job I'm now working in. I'm working a lot less hours for less money, but we are now the happiest we've ever been together. Fantastic, isn't it? That is great. Isn't it? Give a round of applause, isn't it? Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate that. So stories are great. Not because they're made up, because they are real. Right, there are all things going on right now and you listening to their story. We're honoured to listen to your story, by the way. We really are. Uh, thank you for the courage to share it, but also thank you for the openness that you're willing to go, this is how it happened. Because right now you're sat there with going, oh, I'd love to ask them a question. Because that's an unfinished conversation, isn't it? When, when you're sat hearing that, you're sat there, part of you is going, what... So if you've gone through change and you said you read these messages, what does the messages mean? You know what, well, I, take, I read the Bible. You're never far away from the reality of your life when you tell your story. Because everybody asks a question and says, I want to get into what it is you're saying. I want to tell you that storytelling is in a, a, a new word for an old word called discipleship. Where we just say, we're just going to share our lives with the person. I, I often say this, everybody needs a Paul in their life, everybody needs a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy. And if you don't know what that means, Paul in the Bible was a spiritual father. And he was a spiritual father to Timothy. It was a, a relationship of a, a spiritual, of, of two men who weren't bloodline related, but one saw greatness in the other and committed their life to develop them. I'm sure there were many stories told from Paul to Timothy. I think the letters in the Bible are stories. There is so much detail about Paul's life, and he wrote in the context of letters. Even when he's locked up for his faith, he writes stories to the church, and we now call most of the New Testament written by Paul. He didn't just become a spiritual father to Timothy. He became a spiritual father to us. We need spiritual fathers. We need to be spiritual sons, and we need to father the next generation. But Barnabas pops into the thing because he's a spiritual friend. 
We need to find friendships by which we say, I'm going to help you grow in God. So just a quick question that you can just write down in your notes is, who helps me grow my spirituality? Because some of us seal in our growth by thinking, I'm the top of the tree. I don't need no input. If Jesus needs input, so do you. You're not an island. You're not a know-it-all. This revelation that often comes to leaders, by the way, that says this, you're the leader, you're not the smartest. You understand the difference? We need input. I need input. I have people I go who are fathers, who are input into my life to grow me. It's essential to our life. Why? Because God has created the church of the living God to be a family, and we're working within the context of families. By the way, let me tell you what traditions are. We're a free church. We don't have many. But traditions are just narratives that tell stories. There's a tradition by which have communion. What is that? It's a story. It's a story of God who loved us so much. He sent his only son to die for him. And when we realize and discover and, and, and experience that love, it transforms our hearts. And suddenly the light of God lives inside of us. And we want to go out and live the life of God in the way that we're destined to. That's a story of communion. That's why we do it, to remind you of that story. That's what traditions do in our life. The second point is not just storytelling, it's supporting each other. I think, you know, we need to learn how to support each other. Rachel gave that incredible message uh, last year about holding up the paralytical man of the four friends who saw a man in a dying need and said, we are going to do something about that man's need and we will carry that man to Jesus and we will climb up the side of that roof and we will dismantle the roof and we will get him to Jesus. We will do whatever it takes. That's a support role. We need to grab the spirit or I'm going to support the people in my life. Whenever I see a change, I'm going to think, I'm going to help this person with change. And I'm going to be there supporting. You can do that by active listening, by the way. Anybody know what active listening is? If you're in the counseling field, you'll have been trained this. It just basically means staying awake. Because you ever get into a conversation where you oh, no, but this conversation is going. Your face might be active. But your brain might be a million miles away. That's not active listening, by the way. It's not looking like you're active. It's being active. It's being present in the conversation. It's asking open-ended questions. Tell me about that. Explain to me in greater detail. Just describe to me what it is you're going through. I'm just interested in your story. Ask probing questions. When um, Rachel's mum... Mum's dad passed away. Two months after um, passed away, um, her uncle uh, said, said to, to, um, to her mum, said, he said, don't worry, you're a pretty lady. You'll find someone soon enough. I, and I've thought about this, the concept of understanding people who are going through change. If the answer that, that Sadie was asking at that time was, do you think anybody will find me attractive now that my husband of 35 is dead? That's the answer. But let me tell you, that is not Sadie's question at that point of life, is it? How many of us come quickly, you know, when, when, when we, we talk to somebody who's lost a relationship and we say, don't worry, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Has that ever helped? 
Has the phrase, get over it, ever helped? <laughs> Here's a great one. When things are high in a conversation, has the phrase, calm down, ever calmed anyone down? Because <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is what you're thinking on the front of your brain is not necessarily the right thing to say. What is the question that, that person is asking? That, and if you have, it takes you 40 minutes, an hour to wait till you know what they are asking in their dialogue, then you can answer. Because the answer will only come when you hear the right question. The right question that Sadie was asking two months after the loss of her partner is, how am I going to cope with this bereavement in my life? That is a totally different statement comeback, isn't it? I think as Church of the Living God, I genuinely think we have an advantage as people of God because we know the Spirit of God and we have the ability to ask God for his help and his wisdom to say, God, how can I help this person? How can I support this person? As I watch them trying to understand their change, help me to understand. As I watch them trying to make adjustments to the changes that's going in life, help me to adjust to their changes so that I can see them, so that I can position myself to just be right there, that I can guide them by the great. In the Bible, it talks about mountains in the Old Testament quite a lot. I think it's 800 mentions in the Bible of, of mountains. And just to summarize the significance of mountains, they're either obstacles, which means that in the children of Israel, they either had to go around them or their transformation points. I want you to understand, when you sit with somebody who's facing a mountain, you've got to ask the question, is this an obstacle to you or is this a transformation point? Mount Sinai was a point of change, not just for Moses, but for the nation. Oddly enough, at transformational points, we need to stand under the revelation of God and say, God, what are you saying right now? We need divine wisdom at transformational points because God says, I want to put you into this obstacle I want to put you into this moment of difficulty because I want to speak to you. Not every obstacle is bad. Not every obstacle is there to be navigated around. Some obstacles are to sit because in the sitting, God is speaking to you in the toughness. I find God's voice becomes more clear in tougher circumstances. I wish I wasn't so stubborn. Finally, I want to just about signposting. Signposting is where we just point people in the right direction. Do you know signs and wonders in the Bible? Miracles. They're signposts. That's all they are. Do you know what their signposts are? They're signposts to God. They're not signposts to you that you kind of turn into work the next day because there was a healing because you praised somebody. You can put a white suit on because you saw that on God TV and you're the new, you're the new Benny Hinn in your workplace. It did happen to me in, in, when I was policing, and I prayed for somebody, and there's a miraculous healing. God healed a broken back, you know, and this, this police officer came back to work, you know, and it went around the whole police force. And I, I just, it was funny because I think most police officers are really cynical when it comes to faith. And uh, I, I would walk into the parade room, and they'd say, Aaron, have you got the gift? And it's really funny hearing cynical, non-believing police officers asking a spiritual question that even I didn't understand. I'm like, when you say, what, the gift of what? I said, apparently, everybody's saying you've got the gift of healing. So I said, well... I'm not so sure, but let me tell you how that works and talk about God. God wants to use you in that way. 
Because you know when God does the miraculous in your life, he's signposting. That's why miracles are there. They're not for your credit. They're not for your fame. They're not for you to look great. They're there so people might understand the love of Jesus. Whenever you pray for someone and you see a transformation, you've got to say, do you know why this has happened? This is because Jesus loves you. You're signposting first and foremost to God. But with bereavement and relationships or medical advice or mental health, you know there are people in this world who can help people through their change better than you can. That's humility. You need to understand sometimes, okay, God, I might be the connect person here. I might be the person who's found this person of need, but I want to help them get to where they need to be. So in a church context, in a pastoral context, when we're talking about pastoral needs and we're praying into them, the question as a leader that I ask is, who is the best person to help that person the best? Because that might not be me, because I've got a certain skill sets like Liam Newton that might not like. <laughs> One person can't do everything. You understand we're congregational ministry. We have a team of people. Every demographic in the church is split up. We have pastoral representatives who will take a pastoral oversight for those and just say, that's going to be my area and I'm just going to build and look out for them. And it's an incredible structure that we have. So we direct people to God. We direct people to the different agencies. I loved it in that story that was shared. We can direct people to the words of God. There's booklets, by the way, you can buy from the local Christian bookshop of scriptures that help people during times of. Your Bible has that passage in there. It's good to be aware of it, and it's good for you to carry a pocket version in your, in your pocket for that reason, because when you're meeting somebody and suddenly you go, I'm going for anxiety, you know what, if you know them and you've got their number, you go, why don't you text a scripture that helps with their anxiety? Text of peace. It's not really complicated to help people, really. It just takes a little bit of awareness of you going, I'm going to be a supporter. I'm going to be that other train track into their life so I can be with them. I'm going to ask the band to come up because I want to finish with this great prayer. Because I want to give you this. You will know this already. This is not a new prayer. This is a very simple prayer. Right, to, to um, play what you need to play, by the way, you have to be really relaxed and chilled, because if you go really at a loud noise, it's, the serenity prayer is not going to work. So, <laughs> just in, in, in case you don't know, the serenity prayer is a state of being calm and peaceful and uncontrolled. So I'm going to ask the band to play in a peaceful, calm way. Can you do that? What's the question? Can you play, can you play in a peaceful, calm way? No. <laughs> right so I want us to all say this prayer together this is an incredible prayer that you can give to people the serenity is to allow people to be calm God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference let's say it again just a little bit slower God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference I just spent a few moments just while the band played quietly praying that prayer into your life
seeking in relation to your changes. If you get the power of this prayer, you will be able to share that prayer with somebody else.